Welcome to Health Source, a community education program brought to you by the University of Vermont Health Network. Your host today is Alex Tercy from the UVM Medical Center. A little-known medical condition known by the four letters PCOS is a major cause of infertility and risk factor for diabetes, heart disease, and high blood pressure. If you watched the popular NBC television series, This Is Us, you may be familiar with main character Kate's struggles with PCOS-related obesity and infertility. PCOS refers to polycystic ovary syndrome, and today we're going to learn more about it. Here to talk to us is Jennifer Dundee, MD. She's a gynecologist who specializes in reproductive endocrinology and infertility at the University of Vermont Medical Center. She's also an assistant professor at the Larner College of Medicine at UVM. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dundee. Thank you. So first off, what is PCOS, PCOS, and what does it mean? It's the most common endocrine disorder that affects women in their reproductive years. So it's a condition I see quite frequently in my clinic. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the first signs of it? How do you know you might have it? Usually it presents in adolescence. Um, Sometimes girls will start having their period at the normal time, but Mm -hmm. then it comes very irregularly, and that's typically the first red flag. Hmm. Interesting. So at that point, would you talk to your primary care provider or your gynecologist about it at that young age? Yeah, most girls are talking to their pediatricians about it, but I'll see a lot of them in referral from Mm -hmm. primary care. Um, One of the other issues um, in that age range is um, pretty severe acne. So that's one of the other criteria for the diagnosis. Um, Elevated male hormones, um, which all women have some levels of male hormones, but when they get at the upper limit of normal, um, they can cause a lot of distress socially, for sure, sure, in that age range. So how do you go about diagnosing PCOS? That is an excellent question because it causes a lot of confusion among even some providers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because there's not a single blood test or imaging study that can make the diagnosis. It's something we call a clinical diagnosis, okay. meaning that you have to have two out of three criteria mm-hmm. to get the diagnosis. And it's a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning we have to rule out a whole list of other potential endocrine causes of mm-hmm. irregular periods and or um, abnormal male hormones like okay. that can cause acne and unwanted hair growth. So um, the three criteria are irregular or absent periods, um, unwanted facial hair, you know, hair that can grow on the chest in women or on the lower abdomen, on the back, um, or severe acne, okay. um, or lab evidence of elevated male hormones. And then the third criteria is polycystic appearance of ovaries on ultrasound, which means um, an ovary that's larger than average and is filled with small follicles, which are hmm. the spaces in the ovary where the eggs live. I have just one quick question of clarification. When you say irregular period, what do you classify as irregular? Also not totally straightforward in teenagers because the first couple years after a girl gets her period, um, it comes now and then, you know, it doesn't necessarily come clockwork every single month, mm-hmm. like when we get older. Um, so anything that's more frequent than every 21 days or less frequent than every 35 days is okay. considered an irregular period. Um, but in that first couple years after a girl gets her very first period, anything, any interval longer than three whole months is considered abnormal. Might this also be a situation where you might be older than a teen and you might end up having this? Is that something that's been, you haven't known about Absolutely. Before? I mean, there are, 
I would say most teenagers would rather pretend like their period is not happening and they just don't like sure. to pay attention to it. It's not like teens are tracking their mm-hmm. menses the way that my patients who come to see me about infertility are. You know, they're very aware of when or when they're not getting their periods mm-hmm. because getting a period is a sign that you have ovulated. And that's kind of the crux of the issue for PCOS is that these women are not ovulating regularly. What are some of the other health risks of PCOS? So we were talking about how these women often will have very irregular or infrequent periods. Mm -hmm. And if that goes on for too long, um, it can lead to an increased risk of endometrial cancer. This typically happens later in life, but we're seeing it more and more frequently in younger women, even women in their 20s. Obesity is an additional risk factor for endometrial cancer. And it comes down to the risk of unopposed estrogen, the effect of estrogen, which causes growth of the lining of the uterus, which is the endometrium. And if that endometrium grows unchecked for too many months and doesn't have any kind of regular shedding, Mm -hmm. which is really what a period is, Mm -hmm. um, then those cells can mutate and turn into cancer. So it's very important for women with irregular periods to talk to their doctor and find out what the cause is. I mean, there are many ways we can address that. Um, for example, the progesterone IUD, the Mirena, can be placed inside the uterus for women who aren't trying to become pregnant, and that mm. keeps the lining thin. A lot of women don't have a period regularly with the IUD in place, but it's safe in that instance because the IUD is keeping the lining thin and preventing cancer mm. from developing. But the most common treatment that we use is a combined estrogen, progesterone, birth control pill, Mm. which provides a regular cycle for these women and induces regular shedding of that lining and prevents those cancerous cells from developing. Our guest today is Jennifer Dundee, MD. She's a gynecologist who specializes in reproductive endocrinology and infertility at the UVM Medical Center. She's also an assistant professor at the Larner College of Medicine at UVM. So let's talk about fertility and infertility. How does PCOS affect a woman's fertility? It's a hormone imbalance, um, which causes the ovary to not release an egg every single month Mm -hmm. as it normally would. Um, And it is usually associated with abnormally high male hormones, um, which come from a certain population of cells within the ovary. Women with PCOS also often have relative resistance to insulin, Mm -hmm. which is why these women are at higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes later in life. But higher insulin levels in our body create this feedback where it makes the male hormone levels even higher as well. And then Mm -hmm. it's kind of a vicious cycle that further suppresses ovarian function and ovulation. And so all the eggs get stuck kind of in suspended animation in the ovary. That's why when we look on ultrasound, we see the classic image of a polycystic ovary is an enlarged ovary with all the follicles kind of lined up around the edge Mm -hmm. of the ovary, and they're all similar small sizes, whereas in a normal cycling ovary, you know, the follicles are at different sizes because some are getting recruited towards Mm -hmm. ovulation. But like I said, that's why it's similar to a suspended animation of the ovary. Sure, sure, yeah. And then how do you, um, once you diagnose that in one of your patients, how do you then treat them and help them in terms of having a baby? There are oral medications, um, pills that can be taken to help encourage the ovary to release Mm -hmm. one or more of those eggs. Um, The first-line treatment for PCOS ovulation induction is uh, letrozole, which is a pill that can be taken just once a day for five days um, to kind of jumpstart the ovary and get it to... Um, 
start growing one of those follicles and release an egg. Hmm. And that can work up to you know, 25, 27% of the time each cycle that it's attempted. Have you seen, how does that work? Like have you, what kind of success rate does that have in terms of helping a woman become pregnant? So that is a 25% chance of becoming pregnant okay. each time that All it's right. taken. And that's pretty similar to the general population's chance of conceiving, you know, when there's um, two young, healthy mm-hmm. people trying to have a baby. Yeah. Um, reproduction is not efficient. So um, a lot of people are surprised to hear that, that yeah. even in healthy, fertile couples, there's only a 25% chance each month of getting pregnant. Outside of the medication you just mentioned, are there other treatments for PCOS as it relates to fertility? Yes. The gold standard medication for many years is something called Clomid Mm -hmm. that also is a pill that would be taken once a day for typically five days. Um, The difficult part about PCOS is that many women with this condition are resistant to these ovulation induction medicines, and so Mm. we often have to stair-step the dose up to a higher and higher level to achieve ovulation um, for them. But the risk of that is that um, these medications have a higher rate of multiple gestation pregnancy, Hmm. um, which is not always just twins. I mean, there are plenty of examples in um, pop culture of (laughs) multiple mom. (laughs) Not that all of them had PCOS. I'm not Interesting. I didn't know that. Why is there resistance? Because of the hormone imbalance in the ovaries. What does that cause for them does that make them uncomfortable or what does no okay. um, I mean it's not anything that causes pain per okay. se and that's also a common misconception I'm glad that you asked that because women hear that name polycystic ovarian syndrome and I think it's really not the best name for the condition mm-hmm. actually because it doesn't mean that these women have ovaries that are filled with giant painful cysts yeah. I think we hear mm-hmm. the word cyst we think of scary a, a painful thing that can rupture and you know put us out of commission for a day or so but um it's really polyfollicular ovarian syndrome. And a little I, harder know, to say. But. Yeah, well, a cyst, <laughs> we use the word follicle medically mm-hmm. to refer to the space in the ovaries where the eggs live and grow. Um, but a cyst is a more general term medically that just refers to a fluid-filled space in okay. the body. Yeah. And it can be something really small, which is the case for PCOS, mm-hmm. but cysts can also grow big and, and rupture. But, you know, the ovary can make many different kinds of cysts. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, it's really the follicles that are present around Mm -hmm. the ovary. That's really the crux of the issue. Any other treatments that we we want to tell us more about? Well, so for the women who don't respond to the Mm -hmm. pills, or even sometimes we give them the highest dose of these medications and still can't get them to ovulate, um, they can use uh, injectable hormones to stimulate the ovaries to release an egg, but those have much higher rates of multiple gestation pregnancies. Twins, triplets, you know, even higher order multiples. Have you seen that in your practice? Thankfully, rarely. Mm-hmm. We try very hard to avoid that because mm-hmm. our goal for each patient is a single healthy baby at a time. Because even a twin pregnancy is a higher risk pregnancy. Sure. People really think of it as a two for one deal in a they lot do, of ways, yes. but um, it is not from our standpoint. It is not because women carrying a twin pregnancy have higher rates of gestational diabetes and blood pressure mm-hmm. complications. They deliver earlier on average Mm -hmm. and so those babies generally need to spend some time in the NICU most of them do fine Mm -hmm. but it's a a more challenging start to life both for the babies and for the parents because it's a lot more to handle two newborns at a time or more 
So we reserve the injectable hormones for the most resistant cases, mm-hmm. and we counsel patients pretty um, stringently before sure. we start. Mm-hmm. And we only give those medications in combination with ultrasound monitoring so okay. we can see how many follicles are developing, um, assuming that each follicle is going to potentially release an egg. Mm-hmm. So we would not move forward with um, the, the treatment cycle if a woman were to develop, you know, four or more follicles. And even at three, we really heavily counsel the couple. This is fascinating. Thank you so much for answering all these questions. It's my pleasure. Can you share any stories of patients, uh, vague of course, uh, who have become pregnant uh, in spite of having PCOS? I would say this makes up one of the most common Mm -hmm. conditions I treat in my practice. So I see somebody almost every day that has PCOS. Wow. Yeah. So... I can think of many patients just from the last couple of months, mm-hmm. um, several I know who recently delivered, and mm-hmm. it's it's really a wonderful thing to get to share with people and something that can cause so much stress for the woman herself, strain on a relationship, mm-hmm. and it's um, luckily it's something we can treat with minimal intervention most of the time just with mm-hmm. these medications, and many couples can use the, the medication to be able to ovulate and still conceive at home. Mm-hmm. People really tend to prefer less medical intervention mm-hmm. if possible. But sometimes we have to take it all the way to um, the most involved fertility treatment, which is in vitro fertilization, where for the women who have been very resistant to the other ovulation induction mm-hmm. methods we've talked about, we can give those hormone injections at higher doses and um, with very close monitoring involving lots of ultrasounds, lots of blood tests mm-hmm. leading up to a procedure that we do in our clinic um, under sedation where we would actually remove the eggs from her ovaries, mm-hmm. fertilize them in our lab and make embryos in the lab and then mm. transfer one embryo back wow. um, to hopefully lead to a pregnancy. Wow, that's incredible. Well, Dr. Dundee, thank you for answering all these questions. I, I hope listeners um, will take next steps if they suspect this might be something that's affecting them. Our guest today has been Dr. Jennifer Dundee. She's a gynecologist who specializes in reproductive endocrinology and infertility at the University of Vermont Medical Center. She's also assistant professor at the Larner College of Medicine at UVM. To learn more about health and wellness resources available to you from the UVM Medical Center, please visit uvmhealth.org medcenter. You've been listening to Health Source, brought to you by the University of Vermont Health Network. For more information, visit uvmhealth.org and check us out on social media.